Welcome to episode 62 of the Book Wars Pod. I'm Kate, and I'm here, as always, with Kristen Kristen. And this week, we are starting to talk about uh, Aftermath Life Debt by Chuck Wendig, the second book in the Aftermath trilogy. And we are reading through the interlude on The Annihilator after chapter 8. I don't know if there are more interlude The Annihilators. Chris, you've read this book before. But... Uh... I don't think so. Okay, because I was like, I just realized that I was tweeting, hey, you should read through this. And I'm like, what if somebody reads through page like 500? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I I didn't see any other interludes on the Annihilator. Okay. Because otherwise, you know, I would have been confused. Yes. Yeah, I don't believe there are. Most of the interludes are one-off locations. Okay, cool. Because cool. Wasn't sure. Anyway. New book. Book, book, book. Um, Yay. Yay. Yay, Chuck. We love Chuck. We do indeed. What are you drinking, Keeks? Oh, um, (laughs) I almost forgot. Wow, that was like the first time I've ever forgotten. What are we drinking? Um, Whoa, who are you? I don't know. Um, I have to go. uh, Someone duped me into joining a 7v7 soccer league. (laughs) Um, I've literally never played soccer before, uh, but I'm drinking a cold snack. Because I want one, <laughs> and I'm yeah. hydrating well, and it's not for like several more hours. Hydration, Christopher. I know. Yeah, at least it's not an IPA. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and, and soda water, as always. Good. Yeah. No IPAs are for after you're done playing. <laughs> this, this is correct, mm-hmm. Christopher. Uh, I have about two sips of Trader Joe's brand sparkling raspberry lime spring water. You literally just opened that. Why did you chug it? Because I was thirsty. Oh. I, mean, I realized I haven't had any water all day. Holy God. <laughs> oh, my God. So bad at being I'm alive. I'm really bad at hydrating on the weekends. So bad at being alive. I'm, like, on my third liter of water. You're Good. better than me. That's, That's... Congratulations. No, sorry. I, don't, I didn't mean to say that, like, talking shit. I was just like, wow, I actually made it a point to drink water today, and it's really funny that you just were on opposite ends of the spectrum right now. I'm on my third liter of water today, Chris. Catch up. No, I see. I see how it is. I see how it is. <laughs> Um, but we're All of also it was sparkling, and some of it was coffee. But yep. Well, I had coffee this morning, but that does not hydrate you. It does the reverse of it hydrating doesn't. you? Still has water um, in it, though. It makes you poop. It yes. <laughs> I mean, it does. It's a the, the reverse of hydration is making you poop. Okay, great. Yes. Great. Um. <laughs> you guys uh, have some fancy ass tea steeping too, right? Yeah, I was gonna ask what kind of tea do we have steeping it's, right now? It's Darjeeling. Okay, so we have Darjeeling tea steeping. So I'll be drinking that. Loosely. Presently. It is fun loose times. Um, do you guys have like a fun, um, what are those things called? Steeper baskets. What are they called? Um, I, we just call it a tea strainer, obviously. Tea strainer. Okay, yeah. sure. We don't, which makes me sad because I really mm. want one of those like, you know, rubbery little like well, animal ones. We do ones. have one. We just don't have like a fun one. That, she asked if we, specifically if, if we, we had, had fun, fun ones. Fun. Oh, okay. You person who listens Details. to people. I mean, we're on episode 62. Why would I start now? So true, though. Oh, God. It's What's called it? branding. I ju- okay, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is you need a Death Star one. 
Yes. In life. Cool. I'm yes. pretty sure they, they make those. But also an animal one. I they have Noted. The, the, the manatee. Mm. <laughs> I really want that one. Yes. But anyway. Cool. Uh, Young I, health. Yes. I also just woke up from a nap, so yeah. Um, which is Good why job, I... Kate. I know, thanks. Which is why I'm also drinking... Um, Miranda, a.k.a. Real Baby Bird, was over here yesterday to hang slash pick up her copy of Most Wanted by Ray Carson because she won it off the podcast. Yay! Burb. Um, she rated and reviewed. She sure did. Um, but she brought us some beer also, so I am also drinking the beer she left here, which is um, Bell's Over on Ale. Um, pretty classic. Just weedy. Thingamabob. It's so good. It is I good. It. it was. We gave her a hard time though because um, she was coming over. She's like, "I can grab beer. Do you have any preferences?" And we were, and we were just like, "We." As you, and uh, Kristen, as you know, to your to your constant um, sadness, we don't like IPAs. So we're, so we were just like, "No IPAs, yeah. please." And she was like, "Fuck! What does other beer do?" <laughs> yeah. So she yeah, brought it. She's like, Miranda and I have very similar beer tastes. Yeah. We like everything, but we don't drink everything very often <laughs> right um so she was like i think this beer is okay and i'm like yes thank you <laughs> it is one of the okayest <laughs> right <laughs> i love it yes cool do we want to do book i guess so let's book <laughs> let's star war let's let's do it um so as always we are starting with kristen's most favorite question <laughs> uh when when and where are we uh which is actually actually kind of a little bit interesting this time because this is the first time we are doing a series this is chris this is the only series that's in the current canon isn't it thrawn oh yeah duh thrawn now but yes it until this past july yeah okay well it was the first good job chuck um so yeah we're we're kind of we're not only tracking where we are in star wars but where we are relative, especially to the first Aftermath book. So this is book two, right? Yes, ma'am. We- okay. This is book yeah. two and it's called Aftermath, colon, life debt. Mm-hmm. Just reiterating that for our <laughs> listeners and myself. <laughs> yes. The colon is important. I, well, official official style guide. <laughs> um, so w- how do we want to explain when and where we are? This is kind of a, an interesting one. Right. <laughs> I mean... There's there's a couple like kind of as Kate was alluding to. There's a couple answers like the strict timeline answer is we're about four and a half years after Yavin, so about six months, six to eight months after Endor. I'm saying, I'm guessing, it's not sure. Like that's we know that Jakku was one year after Endor, and Jakku has not happened yet. So and aftermath felt like it was like a good six months after endor so we are somewhere in between six to 12 months after endor i didn't realize this i didn't fully or rather it didn't really hit me that this trilogy really does take place in a really compact amount of time six months is not that long no it's really not it's i mean they're on akiva that whole book is three days sure yeah maybe Yeah, this one, it, this one's a little longer, I think, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because you've got. Sorry, now I'm just looking at the Del Rey timeline. Now you've got so between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, you've got all three aftermath books and Bloodline. Nice. <laughs> which is yeah, 
not that crazy, but that, since like thinking about how short the after how little time the aftermath books take up is like wild. <laughs> totally. Well, yeah. now we have more too since this book was published. Now we have Last yes. Shot, we have Phasma, we have Canto Bite. Um, Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, no, you're not wrong. Those are all in there as well. <laughs> Fun um, fact. <laughs> in our in our prelude, prelude, however you would like to pronounce it, um, I think prelude is correct, right? Either way is correct. Okay, good. Just making yeah. sure that both are acceptable. Yes, ma'am. Um, we're on Jakku. I know. I I maybe I maybe opened this book and I was just like, oh god. <laughs> No more Jakku. No more Sand Planet. I know. I know. Um, yeah. Boy, are you going to hate Empire's End. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> yes, I know. The entire point of Empire's End is the Battle of Jakku. Um, Sand. Yes. Uh, good, 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 good look in pointing out the, where, where we are in the prelude, though, because um, we, are, we are, what is it, probably, um, God, like right at the beginning of the empire when they pick up Gallius Rex off of Jakku. Yeah, there's it's a little w- wibbly wobbly. I know. Yeah, the timeline's not perfect, but yes. Yeah, because I know Sloane says that he suddenly appears in Imperial Records about twenty years ago from um, where she is right now. Yes. In the aftermath yes. trilogy. So. And then when Chapter One starts, where we we get Leia paces, which is a great first line to a book um because i'm like lay uh um, (laughs) like you got me i want to know what she's pacing about um so we're on chandrilla so the new baby um baby fledgling capital correct of the new republic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, words mm -hmm. i do them um so yeah we're kind of based around there mostly because we're running we're running missions and all that other shit with uh nora and her team but they're they're mostly based on tranquilla tran tranquilla these days um obviously we have the interludes that are all these other places but um we are super focused on the heart of the new republic um in the first bit of this book um so how much time do y'all think has passed between the fir- the first book and this? I don't think long. Okay. I think a couple months, maybe. Okay, I was going to say, it feels like at least a few weeks. How old was Temin at the end of the last book? He was 15. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. But he's almost 16 now. Correct. <laughs> so, we are we are somewhere between zero and one years here. Yes. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. We're narrowing it down. Um, it, it's, I'm, it still feels fairly new to me. Cause I mean, you have the fact that Jom still hates them all. Um, I think it's, see, I thought Chris was stopping because we, he said they don't hate Jom yet or they don't not hate Jom yet. And I was like, <laughs> oh, is that a spoiler? No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, that's, that, that is true. Um, I feel like it's probably been two to three months, um, enough time for them to have run, I don't know if it's mentioned in here that they're on, like, mission, like, number six as a team, or I'm just getting that kind of feeling. Um, I no, remember. I think that's right. I okay. was going to say the same thing, Kate, that it, this is, they've definitely been on more than one mission together at this point. Yeah, totally. And it's like, you've, 
almost like like super grease the wheels and figure out how this thing is going and then you know sometimes you get a wrench in the works like jazz having to improvise <laughs> or not quite improvise but whatever um sometimes, sometimes bounty hunters go to bounty hunt <laughs> <laughs> yes they yes they are um but it's it's definitely enough time for them to like feel like really familiar with each, familiar with each other they're like definitely bickering like they've been together for a while <laughs> um, it's enough time for Singer to have picked up his man friend. It's enough time for Jas and John to have been, like, I don't know, been eye-fucking each other before they actually fucked each other. So, yeah. More fucking in Star Wars books. Yay! <laughs> adult. <laughs> Hashtag adult books. That's oh right. Grown-up books. Um, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think it particularly matters how much time has passed. But we're somewhere in there. Yeah. Probably um, m- fewer than six months, but more than three. <laughs> I think yeah. it's around three, Maybe. personally. But yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting because the New Republic itself feels older. Like, it feels like the war is that much closer to being over. I mean, I guess the Battle of Akiva was a reasonably large battle that the Empire, again, lost. Yeah. And, like, the New Republic, like, won handily. So, like, that's, like... Part of the reason, I guess. And also, I mean, we, we see that TIE fighter turn back because they can't afford to lose TIE fighters. Like, yeah. they don't have anything. So why, why what's keeping any, uh, holding, keeping any plane from surrendering or whatever the fuck else? Yeah, and um, what's it? Uh, when Sloane is going through, like, the list of superstar destroyers and it's like, we have one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, oh, I just want to, like, interject here really quickly. Um, if you want any, um, character deep dives, like, introductions and things like that, um, we are not really probably going to do that for most of the main cast that carries over from book one to two, so if you want some more of, um, us, uh, delving into that, please do check out our episodes on the first Aftermath book, which are numbers... Something to something. Oh, I actually have it open. Hold on. Oh, hey. Yeah, so numbers something to something. You're fine. (laughs) I was like, much, I know, I opened this for a reason. Much um, like the author and publishers, we are going into this anticipating that you have listened to our episodes on the first book. Yeah. Um, aftermath, the first one. What? <laughs> where are you? Oh, episodes 42 to 46. Thank you. All right. Um, Chris, you were actually kind of leading into our next um, topic anyways. So, uh, speaking of having one Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, the Empire is very losing <laughs> like like that is an official military term we sure are is sure losing. is yeah technical um because like in the first book i was we just had, gonna say fucked but yeah that too <laughs> well because in the first book we had um the conference at akiva where like they were disagreeing like moff pandian was very much grand moff pandian excuse me yeah it's just the fuck out of you um he was very much like we're not losing like, fuck you, we're not losing, we're gonna win. Like, all we need to do is just start murdering people again. <laughs> and, like, there was kind of this, you know, the smart people, the people who were logical knew they were losing, but it, like, was deniable. Like, now it's pretty undeniable. Like, not only are they losing, but, like, and kind of as Ray Sloan was saying when she's on Coruscant, like, the throne world is basically a war zone at this point. Right. We've never seen Coruscant like this. No. Anywhere. Like, it's always been, like, really shiny, 
um, super sophisticated, super sophisticated, or you know, we've been in the underworld where it's super gritty, but we've never seen it just like people literally just like lobbing bombs at shit. That's pretty insane. Yeah, no, like they they have absolutely lost control. And I mean, again, like the question in a situation like this is, can they regain it? And Ray Sloan doesn't particularly seem to think so, even though you know she's trying to because that's that's her whole thing is that she believes in the empire. Uh, who knows what other people are trying to do because people have suspect motives. Nah. Foreshadowing. Nice. Um, dum, dum, dum. But, and we haven't really gotten to much of the New Republic governing situation yet. We will. Um, but we do know that the New Republic is in a good enough situation that uh, our old friend Masameda uh, tried to surrender and they're like, no, we're okay. We're all set. Thank you. That was incredible. We know you are not important. So we're going to fly you to this place. Where? What planet was that? Uh, Verusia? I don't know. I just like asking Chris questions that he might, may or may not know the answers to. Yeah, um, it was the first interlude. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Um, um, I did love that it was like, yeah, I offer my formal surrender. No. I said, I offer my... No, we heard you. No. <laughs> it was... That was... I loved that moment. It's pretty excellent. We will accept the entire empire surrendering. And he's like, oh, the thing is... Uh... Yeah. No, but, but that's like... And that's the thing. Like, he can't... They were like, we will accept a full surrender, not you coming up to us with your hands up. And he's like, ooh, you can't do that, can you? And because he can't. Like, nobody... The Empire, by definition, is not an empire anymore because nobody has control over it. Like, maybe Sloane and Rax have the lion's share of it. Um, yeah, clearly, nobody say... even knows where all the ships are, as Ray Sloane was saying. <laughs> Which is the best. Um, yeah, I, at, at the very least, I think that he would have to get permission from Sloane and Rax, and that's not going to fucking happen. Right, right. Or at least, like convene um i guess we would call them basically the the chiefs of staff because we've got he's got the isb with him in coruscant but everybody else is like fuck all knows where everybody else is to yeah. be honest and i don't even think he has the power to convene them that's probably like true. i don't get the sense that these different factions are on speaking terms Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, very interesting point chris are you do you you know the the story already i'm not gonna ask you questions <laughs> well no well i mean i i can i can go into it without spoilers like just because you know when she is when rick sloan is on coruscant in the pit the the um imperial records facility she is like looking through all these records and she's like it's time to pay masameta a visit and like she's talking about how like masameta and isb have coruscant but it's really easy for her to slip in and it like it just has the feel of an adversarial relationship. Like, it doesn't feel like they, like, divided their power and are like, all right, we can't control everything, so you can have this sector and we're going to have our sector. Like, that doesn't feel like it's how the Empire works. Like, No, this yeah. is, like, not an Alexander the Great just died situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also kind of funny that, like, she she had to sneak in. I'm not, like, I get it, obviously. She's very smart, and that was, like, the more politically expedient thing to do. But also, like, if you felt like you had enough clout, you could have just been, like, big swinging dick. 
I have to go check some shit out and everyone else can go fuck themselves and not ask me what it is. Yeah, you're right, but I also think he didn't want Rex to know what he was doing. Oh, yeah, no, of, of course. That's what I, that's what I mean. Like, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, it's fine. Okay. Which is another indicator that the Empire is not in good shape. The single person who probably has the greatest claim to leadership in the Empire, I mean, maybe Masameta, but nobody cares about Masameta. Nobody's ever cared about Masameta. Um, like the single person who probably could be a figurehead at this point and they're trying to make into a figurehead doesn't is is in fact just a figurehead she doesn't have real power it doesn't feel like it's just like ah uh, it feels so bad to think about sloan being in that situation because she's she's ray sloan motherfucker like it's ah. oh i know like i mean there's definitely there's got to be an au out there uh a fanfic au where she you know, kind of is like Thane and becomes big in the rebellion because she certainly got that competence. Mm, that's interesting. I like, we're going to see, we, we met, um, Commodore, uh, Commodore Kirsta Agate a bit in, uh, after, in the first Aftermath book. And we're going to get more of her in this one. And she is like, right. I mean, Akbar's Ray Sloan's counterpart, but Commodore Agate is more than that Ray Sloan's counterpart. And she's like the best. Awesome. Can't uh, wait. You know who cares? You know who what? cares about Masameda? Masameda? Orson Krennic. That too. Oh <laughs> my god. The two terribly irrelevant human beings. Um, two sidebars here. Uh, one that's very frivolous, so I'll go with that one first. Um, I just really loved so much that interlude where he's trying to surrender because we all we all knew for like ever that Masameda was a whiny punk bitch, and it turns out that he is in fact a whiny punk bitch. It's canon. <laughs> Even though he's like 15 feet tall or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Tall. I know. He's a big, he's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could probably rip my throat out with his teeth, but he ain't no shit. <laughs> it, was it was the best. Uh, second sidebar. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this in the first book, but I just wanted to touch on this again. It's just always so interesting to me. So Sloan is like, as we know, real smart, like, really really smart like she knows the score of what's going on right now and she has already seen you know what the weaknesses in the empire were and you know she's great analytical mind like just just super good at her job but um you know she says things or she has these internal thoughts that just always like make me a little bit curious as to like how much she really knows about the empire despite the fact that she you know, has had um, work um, both in the core and um, on the Outer Rim that, like, should honestly show her how um, the the lives of people on the ground really are. But she's like, yeah, the, the Empire kept people fed. Like, I don't understand, like, why these people are rebelling and turning to the New Republic. And, like, do you think she is just in denial do you think she just doesn't know the truth like and then if she did know the truth how would she feel about it i'm always curious about this i interpreted that as like she knew that everyone wasn't fed but eventually if continued continuing down the path that the empire was on they would be mm -hmm. that's how i interpreted her kind of saying that is yeah. like if only the Empire would have been able to totally take over, then everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But I think she kind of has blinders on in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because she's now a politician by accident. That's true, too. I was just wondering, and, you know, how much does she know about atrocities? Like, we just read Catalyst, and they just blew up a whole bunch yeah. of planets, essentially. Like, how much does she know about that kind of shit? Kaboom. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit of column A, a little column B. Like, I think, I do think part of her is a true believer. Like, I think she is that person who grew up in the Empire. She was this first generation of Imperials mm-hmm. that was brought up with this imperial brainwashing and that is hard to like even though she is clearly a very smart and competent woman Mm -hmm. that's hard to avoid and she also like you said was somewhat insulated from the worst things that the empire did like she sees the empire as like we need these resources so we're gonna take them we are powerful so we're gonna do it she she you know unfortunately for her stepped on some toes on her rise to the top and so was in the outer rim for the worst atrocities of the empire's reign you know when we're thinking about jedda and we're thinking about alderaan and she had just been brought back from the outer rim for the battle of endor so i mean she she in all likelihood never met darth vader never met the emperor um so definitely i think less politically connected and politically savvy well no because thrawn's not savvy but less politically knowledgeable (laughs) than thrawn Mm mm-hmm um, it's a great fucking who, point, Chris. you know, had a lot of experience on and around Coruscant and like working with Lauren and all the different people in the different branches. Yeah. All right. I can tell you about that. I was just like wondering because like she ain't no dummy. So what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, I'll talk about weird shit. So Let's much weird it. shit. <laughs> um, so... Sloan has this moment where she's thinking about Rex and how he's a fucking weirdo. And um, she she says, um, the man wants a cult, not a government, which is basically the basis for the First Order. It's the, it's the cult of Darth Vader, you know, if you really think about it. Like, all these people who are, who are following Kylo Ren and, you know, Hawks also, they're... You know, I just, I just keep thinking about him with his, like fucking Vader's like burnt up mask in you know <laughs> this fucking litter box, whatever. Just talk to it; it's fine. I know exactly. Um, totally normal. Yeah. Yes. Um. But he's he's pretty like you know Rex is fanatical. Um. We see in the interlude on Corellia that uh, there are these uh, creepy, creepy, creepy cultists who um just worship Vader. Vader lives. Well, thanks. <laughs> I love that part. Side note. Oh my god. You're going to be like, you're going to get a mom tattoo, but it's just going to say Vader lives. Right. I was going to say, Chris <laughs> must fucking love this. It's just, it's so perfect. Like, this would happen, right? Like, when a dictator falls, there's always the diehards who go crazy and are like, no, he's not dead. He couldn't die. He's a miracle. I mean. Well, I love how it's not Palpy lives, right? Because he was just yeah. like a, a weird butt face. Yeah. <laughs> at the end yes. well and completely secluded for the most part right like you know he had his grandfatherly you know propaganda but nobody actually saw him like people saw vader oh yeah they sure fucking did not a lot of them lived to tell the tale but people saw vader <laughs> apology accepted <laughs> r.i.p captain nita oh my god i love you guys <laughs> so much um but yeah no the the acolytes of the beyond are what the the, the creepy cultists are called, which is just like, oh, God. <laughs> Sounds like a cult. 
Sure does. Sure, sure fucking does. does. I wonder. I wonder if they like hook up with the Amexing Warriors at some point and they just form this giant wave of creep. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's interesting because like obviously the acolytes are not. Well, I guess not obviously. We don't know much about them. The sense I get from this is the acolytes are not like, you know, sponsored or supported by official imperial people. It's just kind of an organic thing that happened. Yeah, I mean, like, part of their, they're partially freaking hooligans doing graffiti. Yeah, exactly. Um, they got a wheat paste campaign. Totally. <laughs> and when when it first, when they first described them, um, I was just thinking it was like a, a bunch of like, hashtag teens yeah but then they talk about ray talks about being surrounded by like old young men women whatever lots of species it's it's everybody so i thought that was kind of interesting yeah absolutely yeah Um, and it's and there is there is this parallel kind of like what you were getting at about rax and the rise of the first order being cult-like like we do have they're fanatical yeah they're fanatical and they're we're gonna get a little we're gonna get more about rex in this book but mostly in empire's end and his deal because he is he's a trip um (laughs) but like you have this really chilling quote which was probably a little more chilling before we got some of the side information that we've gotten now but the Empire needs children. <laughs> like, and now that we know that the First Order basically built its army from stealing children from all these different planets, and we know that from Phasma, and we know that from Battlefront 2. Um, Honest, honestly, we knew that from The Force Awakens. We did. I, I think it was in some of the supplementary material and Finn's, of course, personal experience in mm-hmm. The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we know that that is how the Empire, or the First Order, rises. Like... It is this, you know, the the the, uh, the empire was this founded on this sense of devotion to the empire and to the emperor personally, but also on self interest, right? Because you had all these bureaucrats and all these military people being self interested and recognizing which way the wind was blowing, and you know the Orson Krennics of the world wanting to be on the right side, whereas the First Order. The right side, like, the winning side at this point is the New Republic. That's pretty clear. Like, even Ray Sloan, in her heart of hearts, knows that the, the New Republic is going to win. But there are these people, the, you know, to invoke a name from a different book, the Nash Windriders of the world, like, oh. they're not looking for the self-interested people anymore. They're looking for the people who can do the most damage. Yeah. And that's, and that is who they're basing their new organization on definitely i mean we know that because that's why they picked up phasma that's why they picked up i mean we are seeing the origin of why how brendel hux got on board because he was personally asked for by gallius rex yep (laughs) um i think i think we're probably saying the same thing but i don't want to put words in your mouth so i want to ask you to clarify when you're like um ray sloan knows in her heart of hearts that the new republic is going to win do you mean Ray Sloan knows in her heart of hearts that if something doesn't change within the Empire or it doesn't evolve into something else? Because I feel like she doesn't think that the new, like, I feel like she really believes in, quote unquote, what the Empire stands for. Right. Like, my feeling is that, you know, she's she's not seeing, she is not seeing the war as being over. She's like, they've won this round and we're going to come back. 
oh, I kind of think that deep down she just doesn't want to admit to herself. Not idealistically. Like, idealistically, I think she still believes in the Empire. Like, but I think, to me personally, I think she knows deep down that there is no way for the Empire to win this war anymore. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. The ladies of Got the pod it. are skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's why are. I asked. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when and we'll, we're going to obviously get more of Ray Sloan because she's a main character again. Well, yeah. Um, so we can return to this, but yeah, that's just the sense I get. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe that's just me having the benefit of knowing what happens, but yeah, that's fair. I, I kind of feel like it's like this, like trying to fight on, but this like kind of military, uh, um, um, why can't I, I can't remember the, the word, but like, just the like word when you have to pessimism, not pessimism, oh. but like. <laughs> Just like fatalism. Thank you. This like military thank fatalism. You. Self. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you, self. Like, like, kind of like, it. like, I feel like she's like Hitler and like Hitler and his lieutenants in the bunker in Berlin at the end of World War Two. Like, mm. see, I was thinking like military obligation, but I think we're pretty much saying the same thing. Yeah. Mm. Idealistically, I do still think that she is an imperial and thinks that the New Republic is bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I think she, I think I think she's. I don't know. Wait, Keeks, do you have more to say about your point? Because I'm like kind oh, of torn between. Not really. Okay. I was just gonna say that like Ray Sloan is complicated and not a fucking dummy, and not that she's like like I don't think that she would be acting out of I don't think she's acting out of self interest in like any of this. I mean, I think she does act that way sometimes, but I think she really believes that it's like better for the galaxy. Yeah. And that if she didn't think that was like the right thing, I don't think she would like hang in there for the for the sake. Right. I de- like I definitely think she thinks it's better for the galaxy and I think she's self-interested insofar as she knows she's smart and everyone around her is a goddamn dummy, so she yes. better be in charge. For sure. Yeah. Except for her assistant who's not a dummy. Correct. Yay. Chuck Wendig never answered our question. He did not. So, Chris, you want to you want to explain what your listeners? Let's yeah. Question was Come let's on. let's all question bomb Chuck Wendig because I want to know how uh, Sloan's military aide, top military aide's name is pronounced, because Kate and Kristen. Oh, first I'll ask you without influencing you. How do you pronounce that woman's name? Chris, if you think I fucking know her name off the top of my head right I'm now, why do you think it. I called her your assistant? I'm I'm calling her assistant. I'm, I'm gonna find it. Here, Hold on. this is her name. I just put it in the outline. It's right there. So, uh, Adea. Okay, so you and Kate pronounce it Adea. I saw it as Ada, and I was like, Chuck oh. Wendig just went to fucking Rite Aid before making up this name, didn't he? <laughs> and so we asked him, "Hey, Chuck." How do you say, you know, what we are, what I'm pronouncing as Adea is because Chris and I are having an argument over whether this is a pun on Rite Aid and he would not answer. (laughs) Oh my God, that's really funny. He's probably like, oh, he probably was just like, oh God, it's these people again who can't speak English. Right. (laughs) Yeah. To quote Chuck Wending, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um. It's all right. Hopefully we'll meet him at Celebration and we can prove that we're not weird. Um, we or that we are is yeah, that what that you meant are. or that we're the normal kind of weird okay oh, just go with it mm. it's fine mm. it's all fine okay we're all fine here How are oh, you? God. situation normal yeah i know right um the only i think the only thing i want to add to the conversation about the first order is that 
um like we like like we were saying you know they the empire was built on this cult of personality um because i guess you know palpatine thought he was gonna live slash rule forever um but it's almost the the first order is almost more dangerous number one because of the people they're recruiting but number two because it's not necessarily it's not centered around a personality or rather it's centered around vader and you can't kill the ghost them worshiping the ghost of vader because vader ain't alive no mo so ah I mean, that kind of gets to why episode nine is going to be so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like, because you have the First Order and it is something that is founded on. And, you know, I would I want to get maybe the TV series will give us some more on this. But, like, I want to get more on, like, the different political leanings of the people who started the First Order. Like, the Brendel Huxes versus the Ray Sloans versus... Um, you know, who knows when Snoke came into the picture. If the TV show's about that. If sure. the TV show's... Oh, yeah, that's completely speculation. I don't have any inside information. We but, have no information. We know nothing. <laughs> um, but, like, oh, and yeah. I want to know more Please about that. Please take everything we say on this podcast as speculation. Oh, God. Yeah. If it's not confirmed, because we... we <laughs> how to say this? We know nothing. Nothing. Literally yeah. nothing. Um, But, because, like, just looking at the beginning and, you know, where we know it ends up so far, like, we know the beginning is it's... It is notably different from the Empire for all the reasons we've already talked about. And in episode eight, you're already seeing the fractures between the Huxes of the world and Kylo Ren and this idea of, like, they're kind of just in it for the power. Like, they're in it to win and to fuck up as many people as possible while they win. They are, like, they're very much in it not for the greater good or for governing. They are in it for themselves. And it's going to be very interesting how they tackle the challenge of maintaining control and actually governing now that, you know, they are the reigning power in the galaxy. The New Republic is gone. The Resistance is, you know, decimated. We know that it's more than the, you know, 30-odd people that escaped on the Falcon. We know that, you know, Inferno Squad's still out there. Uh, Black Squadron is still out there somewhere. Uh, although I'm not caught up on the Poe Dameron comics, so don't spoil me. Um, but so we know, like... <laughs> Theoretically, Wedge Antilles is still out there. Lando's still out there. But they're, like, the First Order has never been in a position where they have to rule over anybody but themselves. And looking at the personalities that create the First Order and the cult of personality that it is founded on, it's going to be really interesting to see how that works. Totally. Definitely. Absolutely. And... This is kind of tangential, but I'm sure we'll talk about it probably more. And I don't know when we'll talk about it more. We'll talk about it more when episode nine comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's I think one of the most interesting juxtapositions that we haven't re- that I don't think we've talked about on the pod at least um, is obviously when um, Palpatine dies. It's this total fuck shit. Who's in charge? But then when Snoke dies, Kylo Ren immediately starts getting called Supreme Leader. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just such this interesting dichotomy of like the Empire is literally like losing their goddamn minds because they <laughs> everybody wants power. Whereas like even though kind of Hux and Kylo play against each other in the first two films of the sequel trilogy... We see Hux. I think Hux is the first one that calls Kylo supreme leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's this really, it's it's like the, the people that the First Order attracts 
kind of know that they need a dictator. <laughs> and if they don't have one, they're fucked. And they don't want to make those mistakes again. It's true. It's also helpful that both of them are alive. Yeah. Um, and it's, <laughs> of course, you know, we see Hux sort of making moves to claim power first. Because he goes over to Kylo Ren and he's like, is this guy, oh, fuck, he ain't dead crap. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Um, cause it's, it's a little hard to, uh, seize power from somebody else when they can force choke the living crap out of you. Um. Yeah. But it's. Yeah. Is it, I don't know. Is it that there's a substantive difference in the way power is consolidated at the top? Or is it just because they didn't die? Because like, and we talked about this a little bit in. I, I, I literally think it's cause they didn't die. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree because we talked about this a few episodes ago. It must've been in last shot about like how part of the reason the empire collapsed so quickly is because there was no one to take the emperor's place. Like yeah. he had. And we've talked about this several times. Everybody yeah. Dead. We, mm-hmm. We've talked about this, like, and the only two people who conceivably could have, who had the gravitas. I don't even know how I pronounce that. <laughs> who had the grav, I pronounced that weird. Who had the gravitas to take over. And it was Vader, obviously. And it was Tarkin. And Tarkin died on the first Death Star. And Vader died on the second Death Star. Rip in peace. And in the First Order, you have that same dichotomy. Like you have the closer apprentice relationship who's more into the mysticism aspect and just the, you know, winning. And then you have the person who's into the minutia. Now, Armitage, Armitage Hux is no Wolof Tarkin. Let's, let's be very clear on that. He has a silk robe. He is, um, uh, Tarkin would have had feelings about him. <laughs> He want to spank that boy, and you know it. <laughs> that boy. Calm down, SC. <laughs> oh, God. Ew. Um, Burn it down. Everything's fine. Burn it down. Burn uh, it down. But yeah, like, like, and, and in, a, in certain ways, Kylo is a cut-rate Vader, too. Like, the apprentices are cut-rate, but they're still alive. Like, that's the, I think, substantive difference between the end of the Empire and the killing of Supreme Leader Snoke. Which is why it's going to be so fun to see Kylix bicker the entire time during Nine. Exactly. Hopefully. Yeah, I recant what I said. I agree <laughs> with you guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, it would have been Vader if he was alive. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, theoretically, if he if he hadn't at that point decided he wanted to be Anakin again. Like, yeah. we don't really know. Yes. If he... He's- He's good for fifteen seconds. Yeah, I was about to say we don't we don't really know. Like you know, if we hadn't if he hadn't basketball dunked Palpatine into the second Death Star, like would he have become Anakin again after that? Mm. Like he does have that moment of realization. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a there's a whole. I would love to have just like a like a random AU episode where we think through all the different implications of this. But like, I would totally do that. That'd be so, maybe we'll do that for a bonus because that actually sounds really fun. But like just. As a just wild speculation on all these various things. Wild speculation on things that have already happened. Um, hey, we, I mean, <laughs> we we can do wild. Technically, all of this has already happened. That's Chris. true. It was a long time ago. <laughs> God damn it! I mean, I mean, if we wanted to do like wild, like really quick wild speculation episodes on like you know what if Qui Gon had lived, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I would totally do that. That'd be fun. Hey, listeners, if you want that kind of shit, Tell raise us. your hand. Yeah. But just we'll as like do a Twitter poll or some shit, yeah, dude. Just as and like you'll all say yes because you love our fuck shit, right? I, right. For whatever, and reason. then we'll be committed to it and we'll hate ourselves. Uh, <laughs> um, but just Sounds as like, like one thing, like say you know there is some way, like say 
Vader's plan to, like, you know, take over with Luke and overthrow the Emperor works, and Luke somehow dies in the process, and the Emperor dies in the process, and Vader's left. So, let's, let's accept the possibility that Vader's Emperor now. He would have run that empire into the damn ground. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Anakin? Yeah, he would have. Can you, can you actually imagine Anakin running an empire? <laughs> Good <laughs> lord. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, no. I'm just like... I'm gonna go with no. Oh, Jesus. It's like... It's when Joffrey was king for five seconds on Game of Thrones. That's exactly what it would be like. Yep. Uh... It's... It's it's like the, like, epic fantasy, like, version of the king where it's just all feasts and having fun, except it's just all death and no actual administrating. It's just all murder. It's just all finding new people to murder while everybody starves. everyone. It's true. That's very true. Well, we took that point in a direction. Yeah, that, like, that, that was, even for us, that was quite a tangent. Hey, it was Star Wars related. That's, yeah, it could have been worse. True. <laughs> Uh, do we want to talk about the, the other side of governing? <laughs> uh, and by that I mean, uh, the other side, like, sides governing. Or, yeah, New Republic governing. The, the other side of governing, otherwise known as the other side governing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I, that, that worked better in my head. No, and I liked it. Like our, <laughs> you, our little, you, you, you gotta commit to it. what they're doing. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. <laughs> Shut up, Chris, except the first point is yours, goddammit, so keep talking, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Um, Got me. So, yeah, I, I, a big... Moving on to rebuilding the galaxy. We've, we've talked about how it's falling apart. Now, how do we rebuild it? I think the big theme of this book that we're going to get into is this concept of rebuilding trust and, repair, and repairing relationships after, you know, obviously... A few years of hot war, but a generation of cold war in the rebellion leading up to Scarif. And it's really, it's personified in an interesting way because by, and that's what makes this book so good, is it's personified by the crew of the Halo and the, the bounty, the, I don't know, what, what are we calling them? Nora's crew. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have these weird relationships that they need to find a way to make work and that's kind of a microcosm right because you have nora who just wants things to go back to the way they were and you have temin who wants everybody to stop treating him like a kid so he can like have some action but he's also pretty emblematic of the this generation that's coming up oh absolutely um, in this, this this inner war period because you know he's um, you know, he's thinking, there's a bit where he's thinking about all the, the different stupid ass careers you could have because he's 15 and he just, <laughs> I want to grow up and I don't know, he's a fucking firefighter still, um, sort of thing, except, you know, black market crap. Uh, but like, he has all these paths open to him, you know, he can, he can be, um, a new Republic pilot and he can go back to doing shady shit and he can, you know, he can do, he can do whatever he wants. Uh, very much on that note, you just inspired me. Could we put as a topic for a future episode? Uh, Temin and uh, how he is emblematic of Poe and the problems Poe will face in Ooh. Last Jedi. Hmm. You got enough of a note? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, so you have those two. You have Sinjir, who is the person who's seen some shit and kind of just wants to die, except not enough to actually like want to die. 
No, he's just slowly killing himself by murdering his lover. Exactly. You have Jas, who has always been the hard realist, who is like, let's be real, nothing has changed. And then you have Jom, who is fucking G.I. Joe. Oh, God. You know, Shandrillan hero. And he's just the worst. Like, like <laughs> he's he's a good character in that he has a purpose and he accomplishes it with flying colors within the story. But God, I hate him. He's like, he's easily my least favorite character in like Star Wars canon right now. Damn. All of it? He might be. Oh, jeez. He might. I really hate him. Ooh, wow. Okay. I, just, I don't enjoy reading him. All right. Great. That's yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> Burn it down. Jom sucks. Um, Jom does suck. But anyway, so like, and as part of rebuilding trust, like, you see the problems along the way. Like, you know, these there's there is this fragile trust, but then something happens, like the mission on whatever planet they were on with the well, slave guy. Yeah, the crime lord. Sluss and Kanker. That was a great name. A planet we've seen we we've seen before but i know the answer is probably no i don't believe so no ma'am okay cool um and you have jass you know air quotes betraying the rest of the team and singer is like you could have at least told me i'm your bestie yeah duh like (laughs) which is really cute it is it's super cute and it's like great and adorable in a non-patronizing way that they were able to form this close bond in the ruins of the empire but it shows how fragile it is. Like, it shows that this is this is not something that you can fix in two months. Right. Also, she did get his arm pretty eaten hardcore by some... Slurped. Yes. Slurped. He got hardcore slurped. That some... was so fucking gross. I know! It's <laughs> with some fucking talkings. Goddamn, like, new Star Wars canon and its love of tentacles is quite extreme, and I don't enjoy it. It's nasty. But that's neither here nor there. Um, speaking of Jess, Keeks, can we, can we, can we talk for a second about, uh, I, I have actually found the worst Star Wars ship of all time. Oh my god. Canonically, anyway. Uh, <sighs> Jess and Jom is just like, oh my god, we got, the bit, the bit where they started fucking, I was just like, I was kind of, I was kind of like Nora, like, standing outside the door, like, not quite realizing what the fuck was happening, because I was like, this is not, this is gross. <laughs> Damn kissing noises. Yeah, like, are you just both really damp? Like, what is this? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think he meant kissing. What? Ugh, ah! Stop, ah! <laughs> Oh, God. Why would you even say that? You were, you were the one asking about what the kissing noises were. I said what I said. <laughs> I'm, I'm being realistic I here. I said what I said. I don't think there was... A lot of kissing going on, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh. <laughs> I'm getting a divorce, guys. <laughs> it's just unacceptable. We, I've reached my limit. This is not cool. I'm like past quitting the pot. I'm just leaving. Oh my god. You're quitting the marriage. Yes, I am quitting the marriage. <laughs> Oh God. Um, well, thanks for that. I'm mov- we're moving right along because I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy any of that. Uh, I just, oh God, Keeks, you want to talk about Temin? Oh sure. <laughs> um, so Temin, aka Snap, which we figure out is his 
nickname in this book, right? Yes. Yes. Time. Yes. Um, Finally, because apparently he snaps all the time, which of course he does because he needs to be fucking irritating <laughs> constantly. Um, that does does seem to be his calling. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Um. So it's very funny because we have um what's Tevin's mom's name Nora sorry oh my Nora. yeah oh my, oh my god just let me live okay <laughs> I know I know I knew it was gonna be stupid but I didn't want to I didn't want to trip up on it I was just gonna ask I'm just gonna no call my you story. do you keeks live your um, truth <laughs> so no we have like this very multifaceted um Nora questioning Temin's motives, what Temin wants to be when he grows up, whether or not it's okay for him to be a pilot slash soldier. Like, we have her... I just think that it's really interesting that we get so much more about Temin through the eyes of Nora, I think, than we do through Temin in this part, specifically. Because mm-hmm. um, I think, like, everything Nora is saying is super relatable, like, as yeah, as a mom, which you guys know I am. Um, No, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> She's she's voicing things that I think are obviously pretty normal things for like a mom who has a kid in war torn shit um, is dealing with. She's like, oh, my God, I broke him. He should be off doing kid shit, not like flying. I was going to say flying planes. That's not in Star Wars. Um, <laughs> not flying, not flying ships and like blowing people up and killing people and becoming a murderer and getting PTSD like me. But also, like, he's good at it, and he seems to like it. Right. So, very complicated. Definitely. I mean, I think part of this um, is, is actually this really common... I think I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a parent. I will... None of us are parents. But, um, you know, this, this uh, you know, concern I see writ large in terms of parenting of, you know, what is my kid going to be? Like, what am I going to turn this kid into? And, you know, she, she makes a lot of mention about how he... You know, there there are parts of him that are absolutely his dad, and she she really hones in on those um, aspects of him in this part. Like you can really tell that she's missing her husband, um, but also she's just like, oh god. But she but she but Temin's also my kid. Like of course he wants to be a pilot. Like of course he wants to do this, and he's good at it because I'm good at it. But oh no, what if I pass? Up? Fuck. And you know, I think that's that's a super real feeling. Like absolutely, and it just happens that it just so happens that. You know, she's she's experiencing this um, in the backdrop of wartime. Yeah, and, like, it's interesting because last book was all about her wanting to rescue him, right? Like, it was all about, I put him in this position where he didn't have a choice and this is what he had to resort to. And, oh my gosh, I'm such a terrible mother. And now it's kind of like, I rescued him and given him a choice. And, oh god, this is worse. Oh god, now he's choosing to do it. Oh no, I fucked up even more. Yep. Absolutely. Oh no, now we're all murderers. Right. Family business. Yay. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, it's a little bit like Han's like concerns about parenting, really writ large. Like, obviously, like when we see Han parenting, Ben's really, really little, but, you know, it's, it's, it's the same kind of anxiety. It's just now that he's older and can push the buttons that kill people. <laughs> yes, the difference being that Temin's lack of parental supervision was actually probably abuse. Yeah, that wasn't great. <laughs> but we'll probably talk about that more later. I yeah, assume. we will. Okay. Sorry, just in, just another shot at certain people. 
Oh, yes. Got it. I'm there. Mm-hmm. I had beer. And... Not in, not certain individuals, certain groups of people. Yes. Anyhow, um, I don't know what you mean by any of this, so go. Um, oh, yeah. And my last point about this, uh, just to kind of wrap us up is, and we talked a little bit about this, but like rebuilding this trust is difficult on an individual level and on a galactic level because like on the individual level we've talked about you know the relationships and the you know aftermath pun intended of Mm. all this trauma that people experienced during the war um but it's hard on a galactic level too because you look at uh corellia where we have the acolytes of the beyond and they're just like tearing shit up and like attacking a police station and like with some sort of mysterious lightsaber. Who knows if it's actually Vader's, but, like... It's absolutely not Vader's, but okay, go on. It's definitely not Vader's. But no. they're, they're fucking shit up. And, like, in the meantime, you have the, you know, the other side of this. The girl who grew up on Chandrilla, and it's just like, the war's over and I'm bored, and now I'm gonna go be a pirate. <laughs> I mean, relatable content. It, it is relatable content. It It is. And... It's just, it's interesting to see this, this book does a great job of reflecting the chaos and churning of the galaxy in the microcosms of the characters, was my only point with this one. Sure, definitely. Yeah, also just like, super relatable, that kid being like, I want to be a pirate, and her mom just like, following her, just like, sobbing. (laughs) I'm like, that could not be any more teenage daughter and mother, <laughs> regardless of how good their relationship was before or currently. Right. God, that's so fucking true. But a nice pirate, not a murderous pirate. Just like a I want to steal shit pirate. It's true. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> I want to not be bored pirate. I, I want to pirate pirate. <laughs> if you're going to be a pirate, being a pirate on a former... Superstar Destroyer is not a bad way to go. Pretty sweet, right? You you think that, like, right? the captain's quarters must be pretty fucking good on one of those, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. General Tag probably had some creature comforts. I have, like, seasonal affective disorder just thinking about how depressing living on a Star Destroyer would be. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you're, so, you're probably so right. So boring. Oh Such ugly architecture. I'm like, why is everything so... Are there so many chasms? Uh, there's so many. It's so gray. <laughs> Every time somebody says creature converts, I just think about, can I have... Does that mean it comes with a dog? Like, what is this? <laughs> I know. Is that a blanket with a dog together? Can I have it? <laughs> no. Oh. No, there's not enough pets in canon. Right? I like... Yeah, True. no. Not enough domesticated animals. We need more of, like, Korg the Wart, etc. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna get one in Resistance, whatever it is. I don't know what that frog-ass-looking thing is, but I want one. I hope it's a wart. <laughs> I want it to be a wart. I, like, I doubt it's a wart, but... I like that frog-looking motherfucker. He cute. <laughs> um, um, speaking of going, um, going off-topic... <laughs> Yeah, we're on one this episode. I know. Um, so uh, Dragon Con just happened over Labor Day weekend. And uh, if you haven't listened yet and you are looking for um, some content, to one-off content to fill your day um, because you're bored and you work a day entry job, that's what I relate to that. Um, and you want to be a pirate? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, our Tashi Station folks were on some panels at Dragon Con, and for those panels that they were on, 
um podfather brian larson was kind enough to get recordings of all of that audio um so, and there are a lot of really interesting conversations that took place um with implications for uh the franchise's future the future of storytelling and a lot of other fun shit so um if you're interested please do go to the either the tashi station radio mega feed or the tashi station website which no longer has a hyphen in case you forgot and go and have yourself a listen yeah and there's there's great stuff on there and there's a panel on animation like in the past and now going into resistance there's a specific goodbye to rebels panel there's <laughs> i know i know oh, there's uh kind of just a look at the current canon like kind of similar to what we did at awesome con if you remember that episode um that was hosted by i want to say bria um there's uh kind of deeper philosophical looks on the, the arrogance of the jedi were the jedi arrogant uh is luke skywalker a hero there was a thrawn panel uh, which was just a one-on-one between uh, Thrawn author Tim Zahn and Tashi Station's own uh, Nancy Schwartz. Uh, and so there's a lot of good stuff. So we definitely encourage you to take a listen. Do it. And with that, that is our show. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 62 of the Book Wars pod. Next week, we are going to continue along with Aftermath Life Death by Chuck Wendig. We're going to be reading chapter question mark, question mark, hell if I know, according to the outline. Sorry. Hang on. <laughs> I have it open. Hold on. Thank you. <laughs> I expected you to fill that in, but apparently you didn't notice that I had put chapter question mark through hell if I know. I did not notice that, no. <laughs> God damn it. Um, chapter 9 through chapter 20. Ch- thank you, Kristen. That. We're going to be reading chapter 9 through chapter 20. In the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr, BookWarsPod on all those platforms. But email us at BookWarsPod at gmail.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Just because Miranda won our copy of Most Wanted uh, by uh, Ray Carson, I wanted to say Most Wanted by Ray Sloan. Uh, <laughs> that would have been baller. Oh a, my god. What it's a, a very different book. What a badass memoir that would have been. That, uh, oh my god. Oh fuck. Can, Chuck somebody write that? Ha- can Chuck write that? No, he shouldn't write that. Yeah, you're right. Chuck some, shouldn't write that, but somebody should. Some badass black lady authors totally write that fucking fake ass memoir. That'd be amazing. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> Continue. Uh, just because you ha- you missed out on your opportunity to win Most Wanted by Ray Carson doesn't mean that we are done with the giveaways. We have various patches, pins, stickers that we're going to be giving away uh, at random whenever we get, you know, one or two new reviews on there. Uh, we're giving away, giving them away at random right now just to make Ooh. people who uh, didn't actually review <laughs> feel bad. Um, Plot twist. Plot twist. So uh, we're going to be sending a patch to uh, random number generator. We've got Matthew Borgard. Hello, friend. Uh, you'll be getting a little something something. We'll DM you on Twitter. Um, it might be friend-shaped. Who knows? It might be friend-shaped, as a matter of fact. Um, so he just won a patch. And you, too, can win shit and be super fucking cool if you leave us a written review on iTunes. All you have to do is, like, pick your star rating and write one sentence and submit it. And iTunes will tell us, and then we will enter you into random drawings. Uh, once we hit 20 reviews, we will also be giving away a paperback copy of Thrawn by Tim Zahn, which is great because we're reading Thrawn Alliance this kind of soon. So if you uh, haven't read the first Thrawn book... Yeah, now's your chance to catch up. Exactly. Yeah, shout out to Matthew Borgard, also a great Patreon supporter of the Tasha Station Radio Network. Uh, exactly. And 
great uh, contributor to the discussion on the Patreon supporter Slack, which is a perk if you donate to the Tasha Station Radio Patreon. Speaking of which, if you have the means and are so inclined, donate to the Tasha Station Radio Patreon for all sorts of cool bonuses, including for, I believe, a gift of $1 a month, access to the Tasha Station Radio Patreon Slack, where all of the uh, contributors talk to our patrons, and it's just always a great conversation. Sometimes we talk about Kylux boning. Sometimes we talk about Kylux boning. Uh, <laughs> we talk about a lot of fun things. Yeah. And also, please give to the Book Wars Pod coffee. It helps us cover our hosting and production costs. It helps us work our way toward being able to provide some swag at Star Wars Celebration next year. And every time somebody gives us coffee, we will post a picture of Hamlet on the Instagram. So really, help, help you help you. Yeah, official hamster of the pod. Thank you for listening. Our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. I'm Chris for Kate and Kristen. Thank you for listening to the Book Wars pod, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs> Chris, you're in the wrong chair again. Okay. What were you going to say before that? Do you think the tea is steeped? <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. When you belch, it gets edited out, Kristen. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's why I edit, okay? (laughs) That's why I'm the one that's the editor, because when I do something gross or stupid, I get to edit it out. (laughs) Now you know know my secret.